yes, there is no question in my mind, as minister, he can shut this down and say, this isn't happening on my watch. And who's going to complain? My goodness, a minister actually putting his foot down, making a decision, and not allowing Canada's most notorious serial killer and rapist to be kept in a maximum security prison. That's Peter McKay, former justice minister. No stuttering there. If the minister or the prime minister wanted Paul Bernardo transferred back, they would have that happen. They would make that happen. He'd pick up the phone and do something. They haven't. So this nonsense that they're seized with it, that it's incomprehensible, is just a bunch of horse-pucky. Let me bring in uh, Mr. John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association. We generally chat on Thursdays at this time. Good to have you, John. Hey, good morning, Alex. How are you today? Well, I'm watching the drip, drip, drip of yet our latest scandal. Um, you know, there are all these demands, you know, and we talked about this last week, you know, Marco Mendicino coming out and uh, we were talking about the transfer of Paul Bernardo, um, you know, a lot of calls for his resignation. But now we learn the prime minister, his office knew before the minister, he, their office knew back in March 2nd. And so we know your organization wrote corrections and asked about this. We know the Ontario Police Associations were asking that this be reversed. And the prime minister's office... They knew they did nothing. What, what's your reaction? Uh, I can tell you I'm appalled. And I think uh, our entire membership, our, the policing community as a whole. You know, we have an individual here that is, there's no doubt about his guilt. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. the heinous crimes he's committed. And here we are trying to soften his sentence for him. Um, I, I do not see a path to that. I don't see the common Canadian looking at uh, the situation, thinking anything about this is okay. Uh, th- uh, there, there are those though who say, "Well, who cares? As long as he's in a facility, you know, like medium. It's not like he's going to escape. It's not the issue of whether he's going to escape for me. It's just this is a signal that they're grooming him for something." Well, I tell you, uh, you know, the families are never ever going to escape uh, what this individual's done to them ever, and the victims, and they continue to be victimized every time this individual comes up in the media. And the facts, you know, the fact that they've actually are making life easier for him, moving him to a medium security. Uh, once again, it's appalling. But the next question is, what happens next? Is he going to go to a minimum at some point? You know, as time marches on, um, you know, by my standards, that's that doesn't uh, seem right at all. Well, it doesn't. And and the French Mahaffey families, they're just two families. You've got the Staffords, you've got Priscilla de Vellier, you know, their daughter Nina, who was in my class, murdered by someone on parole. There are so many instances of violent crime um, where sometimes people in Canada are just fine with them sitting in, you know, maximum security for a good long time. Like, I just, I don't understand why they would want to die on this hill. I don't know why, you know, that they are doubling, tripling down on it. And and Peter McKay talks about the trust. Um, do you see this as an erosion of trust? Once again, this is something we've uh, talked about a lot, is the, you know, the belief in the administration of justice and trusting that system works. And I think one mm-hmm. of the problems we're running into here is we have an individual that's been incarcerated. He's supposed to remain um, you know, in prison uh, for the rest of his life, as far as I'm concerned. And we're seeing them kind of loosening their, their um, restrictions on him. And to me, that does undermine the, the trust in the justice system. You know, then this individual is actually going to pay the price for what he's done. You know, we talk a lot um, about what the parents certainly um, have gone through. And, and because I've covered courts, I understand, you know, we give you the sanitized version of what you hear in a courtroom. But what actually is heard and revealed is actually quite, um, 
it's almost incomprehensible that that the loved ones have to listen to what happened to their family or their child or whatever. It's 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 almost impossible to explain how bad it is. Um, and so we know that this was really hard, certainly on the journalists. I remember Christy Blatford, um, my good friend Marianne, uh, talking about what it was like to be in that courtroom covering this, the jurors, what they went through. But the cops also went through that. Um, do, the, do they ever talk about what, what it was in this particular case, um, you know, that it, it really hit Canadians so hard? I would say it's the, you know, the age of the victims, uh, the manner in which these uh, criminal offenses were committed, um, you know, all the planning that went into these things. And, and I think it's, you know, incumbent on policing, it's incumbent on, on the justice system to make sure when an individual is sentenced to a crime, they actually do their time. And this is one of the problems you run into also with the passage of time as far as when uh, an individual's uh, convicted of killing a police officer or, you know, another member of the public. After time, people seem to forget. And I think if you ask any kind of teenager who Paul Bernardo, Bernardo yeah. is, they won't know. But it's important. We remember. And we make sure that these people are held accountable for what they've done. And they don't get a yeah. free pass 20, 30 years down the road. Yeah. I mean, back then it was so stunningly shocking. And maybe kids are just uh, so... You know, they just have been so desensitized because of what they see see on the web. Um, and the other thing about this, and I think, and I do think it, it plays a role, is that people were so infuriated that uh, Carla Hamolka, um, equally as monstrous, got such a sweetheart deal, all because you know, in part, the the NDP cut that deal uh, to have her testify. But then they, the next, the, the lawyer had been keeping the tapes, you know, showing that she was much more complicit in what she was doing and not really the victim. And so I think the feeling for a lot of people is at least one of them is going to stay in for jail and never get the chance to go on with their life. Yeah, and I tend to agree. But, you know, I think the reality here is we uh, we need to ensure that the government understands what the Canadian public want. And I think mm. this is a time for leaders in government to actually take a stand. And have you said, why would you want to die on this hill for this individual? I cannot imagine why. <laughs> Me neither. It's just like it's such an yeah. obvious decision. Had they reversed it, everyone would have been universally saying thank you. And I just don't I don't get why they thought that this was something that Canadians would be OK with. Uh, safety on the TTC, certainly a, a political hot potato as this election grinds on. And it does get a lot of attention with all the mayors uh, promising how they're going to fix it. We got a report earlier this week, though, saying that even with police officers and TTC uh, patrols happening, that there were upwards of 200 incidents a day. So there's still incidents happening. And so a lot of people saying, well, we can put all the money into more policing, but it's not stopping uh, this, this situation. Yeah, so I think the reality here, once again, is with the TTC, you know, as throughout the winter, uh, the TTC ended up drawing a lot of people with um, homeless issues, mental health issues within that system. Um, you know, as summer started to come, they're going back out on the streets. So I'd say, you know, as far as some of the stats go, we have to be careful. They're seasonal. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, when we start looking at what's going on in the TTC, we can mm -hmm. put as much enforcement as we can, but we have to ensure there's also support services for the people doing the enforcement. So if they do come across an individual that, you know, needs housing, needs some kind of treatment, needs something, that the police officers or the TTC special constables have somewhere to pass them on to and hand them off to, you know, instead if of just don't. kind of pushing them off down into the street. No, but this this is where we have to, and I've talked about this before, when we have to get away from the this or that mentality, it's got to right. be this and that. Yeah, but but again, it has to tie up a ton of police resources. If you have to have someone sitting in your car while you search around, 
you know, trying to find somewhere with a support system for, for, for people because they don't exist. Have you guys been able to calculate how much time officers are tied up with uh, holding on to people just while they try to find somewhere to, to put them? Uh, I don't have those stats, but I can tell you just um, you know, anecdotally, there's a huge amount of time we spend you know, in the hospitals. Unfortunately, we have to take someone to hospital because we have to retain custody of that individual till the hospital either decides to release them or take custody of them. And we can spend, you know, two, three officers, depending on what's going on, hours and hours at that uh, at the hospital. And the same goes for in the street if you're trying to locate uh, the support services, because those support services are not out there 24, yeah. 7, 365 like our members are. That's where the problem is. Yeah, no question about it, and it's going to be a long time before it is fixed. I just want to quickly ask you about this because we haven't got, we have been getting a, a few more headlines on fireworks being a, a shot off, uh, you know, as as for fun, and um, it's not new, John. I mean, they did it back in our age, but you know, we just didn't care. But they are using them on the TTC, etc. Um, and so there have been some conversations: Is it time to ban the sale of fireworks? Would police be calling on this? Uh, I think definitely some kind of some further restriction on them uh, would be a good move. Uh, I think the reality, you know, with the fireworks, you know, what they are, they're explosives. And we have these uh, kids are taking them to school. They're taking them on the TTC. I've seen myself driving down the street where I've seen kids firing fireworks uh, at bus stops at, at each other. Yeah, I know. You know it's crazy. And it's all, Do they it's not realize all, they can light on it, fire? It is. Well, it, it's all, you know, until someone ends up, one of these fireworks blows up and you know, somebody's hand and they lose fingers or God forbid it hit somebody in the face. You know, we've had our officers or our police horses uh, have been fired upon with these Roman candles. You know, I think so if, if, anything, with a, if you fire off a it, Roman candle, yeah, is that an automatic? What, what's that charge? Um, you know, that could be, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, that'd be Would that be put in the same as a gun? Frankly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes uh, no, it wouldn't be, it's not a firearms offense, but it'd be an assault with a weapon. But the reality with these Roman candles, if they're going to get rid of anything, I would start there because those really are, are, are an issue, I think, um, for the younger people and firing them off. Yeah, no question. All right. Well, I'm out of time. Let's see what happens between uh, now and next Thursday. And uh, maybe we can crunch into, I guess, with the election very, very much closer next week. We'll dive into some of the thoughts that you have of what the future looks like under some of these players. Uh, John, have a terrific uh, weekend. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Alex. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. That is uh, Joan Reed joining us with the Toronto Police Association. So, yeah, included this mayoral election, very consequential for the police. Like if Josh Matlow, Olivia Chow, they get in. You're talking defunders. You know, we're already short officers, but they're not going to bulk that kind of stuff up. And so there will be certainly um, that issues arise.